Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hello, Sunshine, and welcome to a special edition of the State of the Union podcast, and welcome to NWSL Commissioner Jessica Berman. Jessica, welcome. All right, so you were appointed back in March, but you started officially about a week ago. You come from an NHL background and a lacrosse, a National Lacrosse League background. We can see the beautiful lacrosse stick behind you and the soccer ball all there. Tell me, what did those experiences bring to you in terms of what you were doing with NWSL? Well, I been saying for the last uh, several weeks that I feel like I've been working my entire career to prepare me for this moment. I spent 13 years at the National Hockey League working right beside Gary Bettman and Bill Daly, watching how they scaled the NHL from what was in 2006 when I joined the NHL, some thought of still as a niche property to what it is today. And then in 2019, when I joined the NLL as the deputy commissioner, had the opportunity to really apply what I learned in what was a scaled league into a challenger property. And the NWSL is really a unique combination of the experiences that I've had in both of those leagues with some other ingredients that I think really paved the way for unprecedented growth for women's soccer in this country. All right. So take me back to the search and your interview process, because I'm always fascinated to find out what people thought of it and what, how they went about it. This search also, for the first time, I think, included NWSL players and player association leaders and obviously the board. What was the interview process like for you? And I guess, how did you woo them? <laughs> well, I guess the short answer is just by being myself. I came to the process by really sharing with the board and the players and the union my perspective on what it takes to be a commissioner of a professional sports league in the United States. And really what it comes down to is that the board is hiring someone who they have confidence and trust can really pave the way for the future of the league, that I bring forward the kinds of experience and the professional discretion and judgment that would really help the board to navigate what will be unprecedented growth opportunities as we lean into the future of the NWSL. And I will sort of echo what you just said, which is that I've never heard of a commissioner search process, including players or the union, but as someone whose background is in labor relations and collective bargaining, I think it is a best practice for other leagues to follow. It was great for me to actually have the experience to speak directly with the players and the union to help inform my own due diligence about the league and our growth opportunity and potential, but also for them to have an opportunity to share 
their perspective about who should be leading the league because our players, as we know, are our most important asset. And certainly in the NWSL, that is true, uh, as we've seen over the last 10 years. All right. So it's still early days, but you have had at least a chance to look under the hood. And I'm going to ask you, what have you found that is, I mean, look, I know you're here and, and as any commissioner, you want to you know, talk about the good things, but I, I'm, I'm actually more interested in terms of these long-term uh, or short-term priorities in terms of what are some of the problems that you are looking to fix, either, like I said, in the long-term or in the, uh, in the short-term? Yeah, I, I think um, it's probably no surprise if you look at my background, uh, what the board identified as the areas of priority, because my background is really in operational rigor, in player relations, in working closely with the union, in building stakeholder trust and credibility and transparency. Um, and that's really what I hope to bring to the NWSL, which is really to reshape the way that the world and the women's sports and women's soccer ecosystem views the NWSL in terms of our potential. And I think that's going to come with um, increasing and scaling our operational rigor, our professionalism, and our approach to stakeholder management, how we make decisions, demonstrating to the community and the broader ecosystem that we value people's input who have contributed for decades to the growth of women's soccer in this country. And that's really what my entire career has been about, which is really built on the premise of stakeholder management and relationship building. All right. You're a business and you want as many customers as possible. What do you think is the NWSL's target audience? What does an NWSL customer look like? Well, I think uh, what we know is that our audience is digitally savvy, and that's true in women's soccer, but more broadly as well in women's sports. And that's an unfortunate byproduct of the fact that women's sports have been harder to find for the women's sports fan because the traditional sports and media platforms haven't traditionally given the coverage to women's sports that they have to men's sports. The byproduct of that has actually given us, I think, a leg up on the marketplace as it relates to growth because our fans are more digitally savvy and smarter in terms of the way that they know how to navigate the broader ecosystem. And so they know how to find us, they know where to watch us. And as a result, that's something that brands and others are extremely interested in as they think about partnership with the NWSL and alignment of our values. So that's first and foremost. Second, I would say we're values-driven property. We're mission-driven, we're values-driven, and we're purpose-driven. And that attracts a particular kind of consumer and a particular kind of fan. And we're looking to really lean into that with the support of our players and the player association to be authentic in the way that we show up to manifest our values and who we are as a league. What does that mean, values-driven? Values driven about our culture, about creating an environment that's inclusive, that's positive, that's safe, that's a league that every player is proud to play in. Uh, those are our values. And those are the values that we will manifest every single day and ensure that we work tirelessly to promote as well as to ensure that we are offering to our players who play in our league. Uh, you mentioned the you know, unique involvement of the players uh, in your interview process uh, and in the process of uh, of your hiring. And 
maybe more so than any pro soccer league out there. NWSL is a league that is, to your point, maybe it has become player driven. And, you know, the power, especially over the last year or say, has, has shifted dramatically towards the players. Does this, for lack of a better phrase, this power imbalance potentially pose problems for the business and the ownership of NWSL? I think it's actually an opportunity because we know that these women are cultural icons and the key is to harness their power on behalf of the NWSL and our teams. And I believe that through partnership and transparency and collaboration that we together can unlock the potential of the NWSL. From all of my conversations with the players, the player association, the Black Women's Players Collective, everybody's working towards the same objective. And we all believe that women's soccer, and in particular, the NWSL, has the opportunity to really skyrocket right now. And so by working together and collaborating, we can really maximize our potential. All right. Well, the skyrocketing, the maximizing of the potential, uh, you know, right now you have sponsors with uh, Budweiser and MasterCard and Nike and Verizon and uh, Ally Financial and Deloitte and uh, Nationwide and Voyager, all these big companies right now. What do you think has attracted them? And more importantly, uh, in the future, what do you think is going to attract others? Our value proposition, right? I mean, we know that women's sports is not a charity. Women's sport has brand value and our consumers are real consumers. They are fans that want to spend on their teams, just like in other sports. And I would argue potentially even more so because the qualitative and quantitative data has shown us that women's sports fans are more engaged. And so the reason that brands have really begun to lean in with the NWSL is because they believe in the future of what we're building and they see the proof of concept in how we're optimizing our fan engagement. And I think there's more to come on that. And those that are joining us early in the process are going to reap the rewards. As I mentioned, you're a business and you have customers, but you also have competition, uh, whether it's competition with other leagues here in the United States, but also as a professional soccer league, you know that you are compared and contrast with the rest of the world. And that's part of your competition. When you look at the Premier Division in Spain, you know, the 90,000 people we saw at the Barcelona game, WSL in England, Division One in France, the A-League uh, women over in Australia. Is this good competition? And how do you keep NWSL ahead of the competition going forward? Well, I, I think those numbers were sort of eye-opening for a lot of people here in this country. And I think that inures to our benefit because it really is a proof of concept that shows that women's soccer is a real business. 91,000 plus people attended that match. And though we have the best soccer players in the world playing right here in this country for the NWSL. And so uh, what we're seeing is that there's a lot of interest in the marketplace from brands and media partners to say, hey, we know what's possible here. How can we join you in investing in the future of the NWSL so that we can really catalyze the growth of this league because it's there for the taking. So I view it as a good thing. Um, I, I don't think the ecosystem is large enough for us to view each other as real competitors. And I think there's opportunity for collaboration. That'll always be my approach, which is how can we partner to grow the space? And I've already received outreach from many of the women's leagues internationally to request meetings and say, hey, how can we collaborate? Are there international competitions that we can do together? And we're going to be pursuing and exploring all of those opportunities. 
Uh, you're coming into an NWSL that, let's be honest, over the last couple of years, has been pretty volatile off the field. A high-profile off-field problems, ugly ownership battle in D.C., rash of coaching firings uh, for alleged misconduct, the Thorn sexual harassment allegations, Chicago Red Stars emotional abuse allegations. How much of it did you follow from the outside? How much have you had to get up to speed on? And what do you plan to do to protect the league and the players from future problems like these? I followed it um, a lot, uh, mostly as an interested observer, even though it really didn't touch my world at the time. And I had no idea it was going to become my world. But as someone who just cares about sport generally, and in particular women's sport, the thing that has motivated me to have a career in sport is actually Nelson Mandela's quote, sport has the power to change the world. That is the thing that motivates me every day. So to see the sport of women's soccer and the NWSL faced with those kinds of challenges, those integrity challenges was really painful to watch. And from a going forward perspective, I think over the last six months, you've seen the league stabilize really in a really impressive way. Um, it's almost hard to imagine that all of those things that happened were only six months ago and we are where we are today. So I'm fortunate that the board and Marla Messing and others really stepped in quickly to stabilize the league and create the foundation for us to build upon as we move forward. And now, as I said, when to your earlier question, which was really about, you know, what are the strategic priorities here? Operational rigor, process, governance, those are the foundational principles that create the integrity and the transparency that's necessary to make sure that the league, as we said earlier, is the kind of league that everybody is proud to be associated with and play in, whether you're an owner, you're a fan, you're a player. Everyone deserves that, and that's what I'm committed to providing. Uh, this league has had a long relationship with the uh, United States Soccer Federation in terms of you know money and resources and and support. Obviously, uh, that has evolved and grown, and and even to a certain extent, uh, grown apart now. What what do you view the relationship with USSF uh, going forward uh, to be like? Well, obviously, they're a really important stakeholder, whether they're an investor in our league or not. Of course, their relationship through the U.S. Women's National Team is key. As I understand it, uh, part of my role of being the commissioner, I will be offered or given the opportunity to have a seat on the board of the USSF, which I'm really looking forward to learning more about the soccer ecosystem. But there's also the grassroots element, which uh, based on my background, a lot of the work that I did at the NHL was focused on building the next generation of fans through grassroots participation. It's an area I'm really passionate about as a mom of two young boys who play every sport, including soccer. I really believe that the future of fandom lies in ensuring that there is opportunity for everyone who wishes to play sport to have access. And I believe that through our partnership with the Federation, we'll be able to ensure that this country is offering those opportunities which will assist not just from a business perspective, but also ensure that we're building the appropriate player pipeline moving forward. We need to make sure that kids have access to play. And there's an epidemic happening in this country right now where kids are not having access to play because funding is being cut in schools from gym classes and the haves and the have nots have created a situation where Unless you have resources, you're not being given an opportunity to play sports. And we know how important it is for teaching life lessons for kids to be able to play. So I think the partnership with USSF is going to be really important for our league as we think about how we build grassroots and make sure that 
young girls are playing soccer and know that the NWSL is a league that they can aspire to. A uh, couple more questions, then I'll let you go. Look, the 2023, the summer of 2023 and the World Cup is going to be upon us before we know it. Uh, we are broadcasting it here at, at Fox. What will NWSL do to maximize that World Cup? We always talk about maximizing it, whether it's men's or women's. And will the league take a break? I don't have an answer to that question just yet, five days into the role. But I can tell you it's it's one of the things that is being discussed uh, looking at next season's schedule and the fact that the World Cup will be happening and how that affects our season. It has always been that the World Cup creates tailwinds that the professional leagues can really lean into. And I expect for us to do that following the World Cup next year. But you you are open to taking a break? You personally, I mean. We'll be discussing all potential options. I know that scheduling is a real challenge yeah. for the league. And so the timing of it being in the middle of our season, I know creates some challenges, but it's certainly something that we'll discuss. All right. And uh, last question. Uh, we are just coming to the end here of the Challenge Cup. We have seen this cup to great success in the past, and now it has been played at the beginning of the season. Uh, we're coming into the, and I want to make sure I get this right, because I, I was looking about this last, the 10th NWSL season, but the 9th NWSL regular season, because we know that there was a year where the regular season was canceled, unfortunately, because of the uh, the pandemic. But Challenge Cup, next week we will see the semifinals and the final. Do you see the Challenge Cup continuing? And what do you think the format would be going forward if it does continue? Well, I think it's been really successful and we've been really happy with it. The competition has been, I think, undeniably competitive and exciting to watch. Um, what the format will be, the timing, all of those things will be part of what we discuss moving forward. But um, I believe the Challenge Cup is here to stay. And uh, we're excited to continue to analyze it and look at the data as we conclude the Challenge Cup for 2022 to really make an informed decision about how to optimize it moving forward. But yes, we are looking forward to the semifinals next week and uh, excited to cheer for the final four teams. Uh, I've interviewed commissioners uh, over the years and inevitably, and I, I lied because there's still one more question, but inevitably uh, the question of expansion comes up and it's, it's natural, uh, especially given the huge soccer market that we have and the space uh, that we have. What are your views in terms of NWSL and expansion? Obviously we have two teams coming in uh, this year and I think that's going to be wonderful. We're here in Los Angeles and down in San Diego, but how do you view expansion when it comes to NWSL? Expansion is a high priority. There's an unprecedented amount of interest. And I, I can say this from experience, having been at the NHL and the NLL most recently, I, I've never seen the level of interest that is literally banging down our door right now. Um, so we have some really important strategic decisions to make in the relative short term, but it is one of the top things on my priority list is to figure out what we want to do with expansion for uh, the upcoming 20, for, it would be for the 2024 season at the soonest. And that's what we're going to be analyzing over the next several months. And you'll be looking, obviously, just from a footprint perspective, where those teams would be. And then I would think the ownership and, you know, the, whether it's the money or the, the personality, all, all, all of those different things. Yeah. And, and also facilities right. um, is is the other component. So, you know, based on my experience, and this isn't necessarily the NWSL's lenses, but from my experience running expansion process, there's three lenses through which you look at it, market, ownership, and facility. And those are sort of the three lenses that will lead our process. Give me a, give me a city out there that's a priority. Come on. 
<laughs> That's not going to happen. All I, I, right. I, I, All I can't right. tell you. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Jessica Berman, uh, first off, congratulations. Uh, I'm Thank sure you, you got lots to do uh, to get up to speed. I wish you all the luck going forward. Uh, welcome to the soccer world. You, were, you will find Thank it. You. I like to think that it's uh, incredibly inviting. And as you said, inclusive. It, it, it'll, it, uh, it'll challenge you without a doubt, but it's all good. It's all good. There's plenty of room in the soccer tent, and we're so happy to have you in that, uh, in that soccer tent. So thank you, Jessica Berman. Thank you for tuning into a special edition here of the State of the Union podcast. Yeah.